We're back from the longest break in this podcast history. And unfortunately, I have a, a weird throat thing going on. So I'm going to be having a cracking voice all day. So I invited somebody on that has a much better voice than me. Sam Elkins is here. Hi, thanks, Sam. thanks for having me, man. <laughs> yeah, really, really glad we could do this. We're doing it in person. We are in LA together, which is where you live. It is, and a uh, good place to start is just a quick intro to who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm a photographer. I also have a YouTube channel. I, I do a mix of like commercial and editorial lifestyle stuff. Also do a bit of social media work as well, I guess, and make videos about photography, tech, travels with my girlfriend, like anything in between pretty much. I just enjoy shooting video and photos I have for the last four years professionally. I get the impression there's a lot more overlap in what we do than most people. Like a lot, we do a lot, a lot of the same things, very which, similar, isn't, yeah. which isn't that common. Like a lot of the time people do kind of like one thing or, or the other thing, but you know, we're both doing video, we're both doing photo. Also there's dogs barking that are going to be yeah, unavoidable. They are the neighbor's dogs and we can't do anything about them. <laughs> um, the An idea I talk about sometimes is the idea of like a full stack creator where somebody is able to create you yep. know, like multiple mediums, comfortably without really slowing them down. I think there's so much power to that. Like oh, when you're able to publish to different platforms and do it mostly yourself, like that doesn't mean you don't have help, but you understand the basics of all these things. Like it, it really elevates everything that you do. And I'm sure you've seen some benefits to just your photography business because you have the YouTube presence. And- Absolutely. And I think like the more that you have a presence in different forms, like, you know, photo, video, you get hired for them as like, like a a compound thing for Mm -hmm. jobs and stuff and that's also pretty nice because it allows you to have different facets to different like kind of income streams and all that stuff as well yeah it it's a tough time because i don't want to recommend that every photographer go pick up a video like learn how to shoot video that's not that's not really it because they are different things yeah uh, very different skill sets and you're not necessarily going to like them both just because you're interested in one I'm just saying it helps. <laughs> like it, it can be a real advantage, so that's that's why I kind of encourage it. Absolutely, and it's a. I think it's not as far off as people think. As you know, people who are out there are photographers who are looking to get into video. It just takes a little bit of effort in the beginning to learn the techniques. I think that video requires, and then it definitely requires a lot more gear. But I think once you get past that, you know, it's it's definitely attainable. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. Is it's intimidating. I mean, because there is a lot, and I yeah. don't want to make it seem like it's it's too easy. No, uh, even conceptually, on. like you have to let go of certain ideas. I find myself sometimes having having challenges when I shift back and forth between them. Uh, the best example is that when you're taking a still, you need everything to be perfect in that single moment. You only have one chance to represent whatever it is you're showing. Whereas in video, you're like, oh, okay, well, I can't see this one element of the story in this shot, but I can pick it up in a close-up in the next shot. It doesn't matter if any one shot is missing a bunch of key elements because you're going to be able to bring them all together later. And when you switch over to photo, you're like, oh, wait, now I have to pull it all together in one perfect. Yeah. You don't get instant. as many chances with photography. <laughs> yeah. You got to be like right there and ready video. I think, especially like it's easier to tell a story with video because you can get, you know, close up shots, wide shots. With photography, it's like, it takes so much more effort to tell a story that's like actually good. It's funny, the more, the, the more comfortable I get with everything technical in video, the more, yeah, sometimes photography seems harder because yeah. technically it's much easier, but creatively, it can be more challenging because of oh, absolutely. what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. But if you're just doing one-off shots and stuff, photography is probably pretty simple. But I think for for what we do, you know, it's... Yeah, once it's work, it's exactly. different. Yeah. yeah, exactly. First, an excuse. Okay, why hasn't there been a podcast in so long? Like I say, we, have, we haven't done this before. I haven't, I haven't gone so long without it. And honestly, it's just work. So we've been traveling for a really long stretch um, with a bunch of different jobs tied into it. So we start off in... Uh, well, I mean, I was in... Detroit 
Detroit, then Cancun, then Tulum, then Mexico City, now LA. Next, we're going to Toronto, then back to Calgary. Usually, I can still put things out while we're traveling, but there's just been a lot of video shoots and then edits that need to come along with it right away, and editing always takes time. (laughs) And there's also a couple of YouTube videos that just like I kind of had to do because of sponsors and stuff, so like... I had to keep up with it, so this this fell behind. And usually what I like about podcasts is they're the quickest to do because yeah. I can basically, it takes the exact amount of time for us to talk and then that times two to edit it, and that's basically it. Then you're done. Yeah, yeah. so that's not so bad, but uh, it just, it, it couldn't fit in. But the big thing that happened, um, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you probably already saw this. Uh, so in Mexico, my iPhone 11 Pro, my beloved iPhone 11 Pro was picked from my pocket and just is, like that is now gone oh, yeah gosh. so i'll tell the story a little bit um I, i'm hoping to do a, a youtube video about it but yeah we were going to the day of the dead parade in mexico city which is a lot of the reason we were there at the time that we were oh, okay because it, it all kind of worked out it's like oh we're in mexico at the right time yeah, let's go cool. to mexico it's like a big city. thing yeah. Yeah, yeah and it was really cool like first of all this this was a shitty thing to happen yeah. but it didn't ruin the experience That's there's good. still a lot of good things that happened and I'm kind of grateful. It was actually the last thing that happened. Like, oh, yeah, like as like we right as the, it was the last float in the parade is the moment that it happens. Like, well, the day's over. At least we had fun earlier in the day. All my photos of the parade are gone. But we were watching from the sidelines. And, you know, I know what big cities are like. <clears throat> you know, things, things happen in Mexico City. Things go missing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you have to be careful. Yeah. Uh, I had a backpack and my camera. And was being very aware of them. Like I was, I was worried about it all day. Like the whole time I'm there, I'm very conscious of what's going on. My front right pocket is my wallet. My front left pocket is my phone. Really? It's your front pocket? Yeah. Wow. And I'm just like keeping an eye on them the whole time. Like I'm just like always, you know, feeling for them, like right. just being aware of them. And I, I really was for most of the day. Of course, it's the moments that you're not aware. That's when, that's when things happen. Definitely. So Anya was kind of running ahead of me. She, the last float in the parade had happened, and she wanted to get a photo of them at the end of the parade, which was about two blocks away. So we started kind of running down the sideline beside the crowds of people trying to get to the end. And she, she was like, she had gotten a little bit ahead of me. So I was at a point where people were blocking me, and I was trying to catch up a bit. And gradually it felt like the crowd where I was was like slowing me down. And uh, at some point, this crowd sort of compressed around me, and I was like feeling like the crowd was just getting denser, and she was getting further away from me. So my stress was all about like, uh, cr- like crap, I'm gonna lose her. I can't yell loud enough for her to hear me. Right. Uh, and then the crowd kind of parted, and I ran, caught up with her, shot the end of the parade. This is about three minutes later, and check my pockets, and I realize it's gone. God. And so that moment when my impression was that the crowd was just getting compressed around me what I believe was really happening is there was three guys. There's just people on each side of me that were pressing in against me. Right. And that's why I couldn't feel anything happening. They're probably like someone's there to distract you or something. Like, exactly. You know, it was just this like me, like them sort of creating anxiety around me. And then because there's this jostling, just, like, I could just, you know, you can feel people against your body, but you right. can't feel any one thing distinctly. Right, right, right. I couldn't tell that that's when a phone was getting lifted Dang. from my pocket. And a battery that were connected. And the battery is as big as the phone. So it was basically really? like the size of two iPhones yeah, getting taken out of my that, pocket. Yeah. Not you noticing? Yeah. Wow. And, um, and, but just imagine, it's like, you know, just like press up against another person and like jiggle your hips and then try to be aware of every little sensation. It gets, you, just, you start losing that exact perception. But I'm, I mean, I feel kind of like I'm, 
I would rather them have taken that than my wallet in the yeah, end. Seriously. Like losing wallet would be stressful, especially because yeah. you're still on a string of travel. It's There's like, a lot of ID stuff. That, yeah, exactly. In the middle of traveling, the, like ID theft becomes a bit bigger of a concern once they have your address Definitely. as well and, and all that stuff. Um, and there'd just be more, well, I don't know. I don't know if there's more time replacing it. It sucks losing the phone. Maybe I'm just trying to find a price. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the phone is gone and this, and the story actually gets worse. It totally gets worse. Um, uh, yeah, we're like, okay, this sucks. We go back to the hotel. Uh, I start resetting passwords. I use find my, so I can locate it. I, you know, I can see that. Oh, actually, well, first we called it. Like as soon as I noticed it was missing, my yeah. wife called it. It's turned off. So that's the number one sign that it was taken, right, not right. I dropped it. So I know something's up. It's not just that I forgot it somewhere. And uh, we go back to the hotel room, check Find My. We see, like, hey, here's the last location, but now it's turned off, so we don't have a live feed of where it is. Um, but a pretty clear idea that it's in somebody else's possession. I'm not super stressed because I generally trust the security on my phone. Like, yeah, you good. know, I, yeah. the, the big... The big thing that it, it's funny, like an accidental PR thing, is when the U.S. government was really trying to get into the iPhone in the San Bernardino shooting. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was a huge deal that like Apple would not yeah. agree to let. The, basically, the phone was so secure that the government couldn't get into it, and the government says, "Okay, you need to give us a back door into it." And Apple says, "No." Like, not yeah. only, like that's not how it works because we would have had. They would have had to build the back door before. Right, you can't build it. Yeah, you can't like retrospectively even, build it. And even all of Apple's advertising camp, a lot of the advertising campaigns are centered around now like privacy too. And it's exactly like, it's such that's a big like deal the whole for them. Thing. Yeah. All this to say, that, yeah, okay, I trusted that it was probably locked. They probably weren't inside the phone. Uh, so I put it in lost mode, and what lost mode does is it locks the phone down so that uh, they, they couldn't like resell it. They can't reinstall that's, anything on it. They can't use it. But my data is still on it. Um, and you can put in a phone number like if found contact so and so so I put in my wife's number and then yeah kind of went to bed changed changed a bunch of passwords just in case like just did some basic precautions call their banks just let them know it's missing yeah just uh, canceled the sim card that was a critical one because uh, like a huge weakness of all the security stuff is your sim card oh yeah absolutely because as soon as they have your phone number they can start using two factor authentication yeah, they can get it or, yeah that's a lot of like how like Instagram and accounts are hacked nowadays is just through SIM cards. And stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, Cause you can, it's usually like on the service providers fault. They'll like somehow get a hold of like your actual phone number and copy your SIM card or something like that. And yeah, if anybody heard about Jack Dorsey, the CEO right, of Twitter yeah. getting hacked recently, that's what it came through was, uh, it was like social engineering phone. Like they call the, service provider say i'm jack dorsey can you redirect my number to this other phone and all of a sudden they have control over it yeah um so that's not exactly what happened to us but things other things happened then the next day so my wife gets texts that are like we found your phone and of course we're instantly like well this is the, this is the guy that stole our phone yeah. like this is super this, right, this right. is a scam this like screw this guy we'll sort of engage with him to see if we can get it like right. whatever, like let's see what's up. Like it's locked for him. Maybe he can't use it, so he's like just looking to get a reward instead or whatever. I don't know. We're like, yeah, this is a total scam. Let's see if we can get anything out of it, but probably not. And as we're talking to him, he's just kind of like playing dumb and being like, oh, "I found this phone." We're like, "Yeah, sure, you found it." And then after a bit of this back and forth, my dad called us and was like, "Hey, I just got a phone call from." somebody speaking Spanish, talking really? about an iPhone. Wow. So now, 
especially Anya really like started to panic. She was like, they got into your phone. You know, they got, like, they have phone numbers off your phone. Especially because if you, like, the only phone number allowed to call was your wife. Exactly. So. We're like, she, you know, and I couldn't think of any way. I'm like, well, yeah, like, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. And so we're like, okay, let's go, like, lock things down even more. So I went to, like, log into my iCloud and uh, I don't remember what I was about to do. Like, I was just going to, like, s- secure it more, like, make sure the phone was actually erased instead of just in lost mode. And then uh, she got a text saying, uh, here's the confirmation for your password reset. Seriously. And I hadn't tried to reset my password, but she didn't really understand that I wasn't doing that. Yeah. So she clicked on it, oh, gosh. put in my password, and that's when they had my password. Because this Seriously. wasn't an Apple email. This was coming from the guys we were texting with. Because they had her number. So they got in. Yeah. So I mean, wow. I don't, you know, I definitely don't want to throw on you under the bus. Like she, this is not something we like she wouldn't click a phishing yeah. scam normally. You're like so aware of these I'd things. I'd probably click that too. But, but there but we're in the middle of like resetting passwords, right? So yeah. again, it's that moment of like high anxiety like they create a high anxiety moment by calling my dad, which right. then I think like wait a I check and his phone number was on Facebook. It's like Great. So, like, all they had to do was figure out who we are at all, which now they have her phone number. Yeah. They can probably cross-reference. They, you know, they might have, like, my first These name, maybe her first name. Yeah, it doesn't take that much information to just, like, get some Googleable names. Absolutely. And then find somebody connected to us, call them, and then just let our anxiety do the rest. That's the thing. They just counted on us being stressed out. Yeah. And it it ended up working. They actually sent two different phishing things. And for some reason, the first one just seemed more obviously fake. She like spotted it. Right. Then it was after we thought they had access to the phone for a moment. That's when we were like stressed enough that she did put it in. Wow. Anyway, so they have my password, which is a password to a few other things. Like I don't have too much password overlap. That's Usually good. I'm pretty good about it, but there's a couple. Like there's a few things that did have the same one. Yeah, especially the base, the basic websites. Like, like yeah, well, not sophisticated. What ones. I am good about is like my email and yeah. the bank. And that's the important. Yeah, stuff. like the key stuff is all separated. Um, so it wasn't the most essential things that had the same password. Well, so. it's crazy too how like you use Facebook so much now to log into services and stuff. Right. So if someone has your Facebook password, they can get to a lot. Of yeah, stuff. totally. Or like, Google as yeah. well. I mean, yeah, they have a, if they get my Google password, it's uh, my email and YouTube. Yeah, everything. And those are both significant. You so. can reset everything with an email. Yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, reset everything. It looks like, and now I'm at a point of some question marks it doesn't look like they were going after any identity stuff they didn't they probably they didn't, want to resell it I'm assuming yeah they just all I can see that they did because I logged into iCloud right after I figured out what happened like you know it was a few minutes before I realized that she had put the password right. in and I was like wait a minute oh crap and <laughs> so yeah I logged in I was able to change my iCloud password so they hadn't changed it but I could see that they had removed all of the iPhones I've ever had from Find My oh really which and and remove took that phone out of lost mode. So that, which, that was their yeah. whole goal is to like make that phone sellable. It's like, probably worth quite a bit more in Mexico, I'm assuming, than the states. Yeah, Canada. totally. No, I mean it's a, it's a great phone. Yeah. It's a brand new, expensive <laughs> phone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, they they were successful in that. They now have a, a working iPhone 11, which is very frustrating. Uh, I was able to change my password. Right now, I'm kind of locked out of it because of some two-factor authentication stuff. Mm-hmm. And I haven't figured it out, so I don't know if I will bother going into it yet because I want to provide answers. But, I mean, be aware, once somebody has your other physical device, two-factor becomes a problem because they have the other Big time. other factor. Um, my MacBook Pro is also set up as one of my trusted devices, so that's like how I'm trying to get through it. But it is, yeah. 
it is still causing problems. And because we're traveling, I can't go to my service provider and, and get yeah, it fixed. Frustrating. I mean, all of this kind of sucks. Anyway, it's uh, it should turn out fine. It, it doesn't look like they're after any identity stuff. They didn't, yeah, they didn't like mess with anything. Um, so hopefully we'll survive. And that's that's my story. <laughs> and I, I, and I, I hate to just talk for fifteen minutes right when you jump on, but it's just like it's okay. been a big thing, and now I've been having to live without a. Uh, functioning phone. I mean, uh, you like you only realize how much you use your phone, and how much you like rely on it until it's not there. Exactly. Like, well, yeah. arriving here, uh, I, I was saying this that yeah. like you have a you have like a, yeah, a fence, gate. a yeah. front gate where I can't see the front door, and I was like, wait, I can't text him, I can't call him. Like, I hope he hears me knocking at the gate. <laughs> I was just sitting on the couch. I heard this faint knock. I was like, oh, it might be him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, but yeah, all these little things. You're like, wow, I use my phone. A lot. So Seriously. I don't know. This is a self-imposed little break until we get back to Canada and get a new SIM card. But uh, yeah, that was really fun. This episode is brought to you by a brand new sponsor, Enphoto. This one is for the photographers out there, especially if you have clients and you want to offer them services that are just a little bit above and beyond, a little bit extra without costing them too much. Enphoto is a high-quality print lab with great prices. They create prints that are so much more than pieces of paper just stuffed into an envelope. They offer high-quality professional photo albums, photo books, and folio boxes handcrafted in the heart of Europe. To test them out, I ordered a folio box of images from our trip to Croatia. They came in a beautiful leather box. All of the photos were pre-matted, perfectly cut, and ready to be framed or just kept in the box because it's a really nice box. It also came with a very nicely designed little USB key with a digital version of the photos on it so that you're offering an additional little physical way for the client to back up those photos. Their services are available worldwide with dedicated customer support, and they've created an incredibly good offer for the audience of this show. I think every one of you is probably going to want to take advantage of it. So either click on the link in the show notes or go to http colon slash slash info dot n photo that's n is in nikon nphoto.com slash stallman you'll not only see a nice landing page that they've made with our photography but you'll also get an incredible discount of either 75 percent off one complete album set or 60 percent off one folio box those discounts are pretty amazing and it's a great way to check out their prints, try out the services that Enphotos offers, see what they can do for you, because you may find a great new product that you can offer your clients, and it'll give you a new way to make more money from your photography work. So again, for 60 to 75% off, either click the link in the show notes or go to info.enphoto.com slash Stallman. And thanks again to Enphoto for supporting the show. What about you? Let's do it with you. You were just traveling. You just came back from Ireland, right? Yeah, I was in Ireland. I was shooting a job for the for the tourism board, which was pretty fun. Well, and what we were just talking about before we start recording this is that it's interesting that we seem to yeah we we do a lot of like similar things like we shoot definitely travel stuff. We yep. work with tourism boards. Yep. We do the video. We <laughs> do all this stuff. Another thing we we both do that I think is interesting to to talk about in common is the iPhone 11. Yeah, we both review it. I'll say that my like in-depth photographer review of it will be late because it already it already was late but now because of the lost phone i don't even know i don't know what's gonna be you're gonna grab one yeah so (laughs) 
it'll happen someday. I, it's going to be even later than yeah, it should be. Definitely. But how have you been feeling using an iPhone 11? Honestly, like I already said this before, but I think it's the first camera on a phone that's made me like consider like using a phone camera more. Like I don't really think mm-hmm. up to this point it's been that good. Like it's been good, but this seems like a big leap forward. I think a lot of people. You know, we'll say, oh, it's, you know, a small upgrade here and there. But I think for people like us who take photos on the regular, like, mm-hmm. you can see how big of a difference there is. This was the first time that I, for the video we were shooting in Cancun, I st- and the ones before that, because I was in Barbados and Bermuda but before that, I started shooting extra B-roll on the iPhone because I'd be in moments where I'm like, wait a minute, this looks, this really does look better on the phone. Like, no, a, a huge improvement. Yeah. And... Since then, I've been editing those videos, and yeah, I've been cutting in the iPhone clips. And the situation has to be right. I mean, Definitely. it's got to be something where the depth of field won't matter. Um, the reason you would use it is dynamic range, oh, yeah. basically. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, the HDR stuff. Sometimes you'll see a flicker because of, I, I actually I was going to say because, I don't know why. I think it's like the lights, right? Because like, when we were in, in Ireland, too, they use a different like uh, frequency well, for it's not just that though there's something going on with the hdr where i'll see oh, okay. in skies where it's like make it's changing its mind quickly yeah find the computer trying to figure out what the heck to do yeah exactly and i wish it would even when it's locked so i'll lock the exposure Good. and i'll still see it like do this gentle flicker and um unfortunately i i don't know how to really get that out maybe it doesn't happen in pro apps like filmic pro and stuff yeah that's but, possible yeah but I think, uh, honestly, my favorite feature is the wide portrait mode. Oh, I think it's literally yeah, the best. Because yeah. up until this point, it was such a zoomed-in focal length. Well, and well, you were on an XS Max before XS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 10S Max, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it was, it was good, but just the zoomed-in portrait mode, it just didn't really do it for me. And right. I shoot pretty wide normally anyways, you know, 24 to 40 probably, pretty pretty normally on like my, my main cameras. So I think having that wide portrait mode is just so nice. I totally agree. I Because last year I spent some time on both at the 10s at the beginning of the year and then I switched to the 10R for the mm-hmm. second half of the year. And I way preferred the portrait on the 10R <laughs> of being able to go wider. It's just, right. it's more useful more, more often. Useful. Yeah. yeah. Especially because it's not, it's because it's not perfect. You right. know, so the more, the more you zoom in, the stronger the blur should be. And so, you know, those things that are equivalent to a 50 millimeter, the blur becomes stronger and you can see the exactly. cutout yeah. along the hair. The, the runoff's a little bit better on the wide. You like don't notice it as much. I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it, it, also got, it also got better on the new one, I feel like. Oh, it definitely, yeah. It just kind of all around improvements. Just, it's amazing, honestly. I love using it. And this is the generation where I've started to really get frustrated with how much better it looks than some of our pro cameras. I mean, seriously. In in Jonathan Morrison's video. Oh yeah, well, I forgot to say when the intro, that's how we met. Uh, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, when uh when Jonathan's I was doing, the desk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan and I did that Dream Desk video and there's a podcast episode from that day. Yeah, you had the Dream Desk we were looking for and we were like he had ordered one and it didn't arrive in time. It's going to be like three days late and yeah, I wasn't going to be in town anymore. It's tough, yeah. And uh, I drove around to a few different hardware stores and tried to buy it and just like it wasn't available. Really? Yeah. Oh, we were it's like searching for It's not even like that popular of a desk. It's, it's nothing like a, spe- it's, it's not like even a, a desk. Yeah, it's like a tool table. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but you had one. I did, uh, yeah. And I think you just put the word out on Twitter or something. Yeah. And, and you were I was like, like, oh, well, hey, I have like, one of those. He sent a, or he posted a screenshot. I'm like, Weird, that's two hundred dollar desk that I have. Yeah, and that's the one. And I had just chosen it off the internet. I was like, "Oh, this would be great." And he's like, "Cool, I can order it." Like it just seems right, right. seems straightforward. Uh, it wasn't, and yeah. unfortunately, in the end, actually, it's never been my desk because we, we borrowed yours. <laughs> uh, and I was like, "I want, I, I wanted it." Like I was going to use it right. in the studio, but 
I couldn't get it. I, I still, we, really? I still couldn't get it after that. Well, so. So I remember just because the so I was working in a studio back then. That was like my office, and the guy that I went in on the studio with, he just bought those desks for everybody. It was like oh, five okay. of them in our office. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just funny. And so in uh, Jonathan's his, I think it was his iPhone 11 review, but he shows a comparison with the Alexa, mm-hmm. which like that's as much that's as much dynamic range as oh, you can get out of a video camera. It's right? about as like real picture as you could ever. Yeah, it, it's yeah. an incredible. Like, it's a better camera than an iPhone. It's not yeah. at all that an iPhone. Always like the closest better. to real life that you can get, probably. Totally, it's yeah. perfect. It's great, right? It's not perfect. It's amazing, but the dynamic range of the iPhone was still more because of the HDR. Yeah. And there's sometimes that that looks fake. There are times that it's like, oh, that doesn't look real. But a, a lot of cases, like especially if you just want to see a little bit of blue sky out a window and the interior is, you can't bring the level of the interior up enough, right. it looks believable. It, it looks does. totally fine. Yeah. And there's no way to do that in an expensive camera. Uh, Reds do have, this is how we first learned how HDR really works, is like Reds have a feature called, wait, is it called XDR, XHDR, where they're recording two tracks. Right. Works the same way as an iPhone does. It just doesn't do it live, and it's right. recording a underexposed post, yeah. video. And yeah, in post, you're able to combine the two, and it does that extended dynamic range thing. Yeah, right. But an iPhone's just doing it all the yeah. time, and it can record in 4K, <laughs> so at cool, yeah. 60 frames per second. My, uh, well, one of the guys, his name's Ben Hess. Uh, you might know who he is. He he films some stuff for Jonathan as well, and mm-hmm. he uses the Gemini, the Red Gemini, and has uh, 5K HDR built in now. Oh, like, cool! I haven't, I haven't seen it, what is it does on this year. Yeah, it's very good. I mean, obviously. I wonder how it compares. I'd like to see it. That would be, no, yeah. be interesting. It, because I, and I'm feeling it more and more in stills as well. Like there, are, I did this video last year where I'm like, I think the title is "Why is my iPhone XR getting more dynamic range yeah. than my big camera?" And you know, I compared it to the Canon, to the Sony, and it really does a better job. A lot of the, I got hammered in the comments. People were like mad at me for saying that it was <laughs> doing a better job. But here's the thing: even if you underexpose your Sony or Canon or Nikon or whatever you're using, yeah, you can pull back a lot of dynamic range. The yeah. sensor is better, For sure. but it doesn't have any intelligence in its tone mapping when you're recovering exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. So first of all, if you're shooting a person, they can't move. Like right. If you're doing multiple exposures, they can't move for that. Yeah, exactly. And if you're doing a single exposure that's underexposed, you would have to paint in the tone mapping to do what the iPhone's doing because it's yeah. doing like contextual stuff. Like it's finding the lines and perfectly pixel by pixel stitching together. Like here's where the edges are that should be darker and brighter. And if you just you know use the shadow sliders in Lightroom or in Capture One or in anything else, this isn't this isn't a software limitation. It, well, it is a software limitation, but it's like the software doesn't exist. There's no, nothing that, that can yeah. do this. Exactly. When I think also too, like Apple's just so progressive with all this stuff and, you know, like Canon and like, they're not looking. No, well, and I actually don't think they possibly could. They, the things they might be looking at it, but the sensor is so much bigger that, and and the the processors are so much slower in a camera that it, it's just not possible. They couldn't deal with that amount of data coming through that an iPhone can on this tiny little sensor with a, the fastest yeah. single core processors yeah. <laughs> out there. I mean, the, the ARM processors on iPhones are incredible. And there's nothing like that that's going to go into a DSLR or a mirrorless camera. No, no, no way. And you're going to have too much data to deal with anyway because the sensor's enormous. Yeah. So it's not coming to our big cameras anytime no, soon. there's no way. And I just, yeah, it's, it's only going to get better too. Like, I think hopefully it'll get a bit more like realistic looking. I think, like you said, there's some cases where it just doesn't really look real. But I think I have noticed that everything just looks a lot more even. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as like, 
lopsided one way highlights or shadows like it just looks really even across the board i think that's that's a good thing for well, us Well, it is doing more contextual mapping of what things are in the subject it looks at the human more and understands facial features and which parts are hair and which yeah, parts exactly. of the face and is doing a bunch of intelligent stuff there or Pretty like amazing. yeah it, and as we get used to it it'll be more and more frustrating that that's not on yeah. our like professional Seriously. cameras the cameras we and it is actually frustrating because that we still need the big cameras for work we can't use oh, an no. iphone yeah but they can't keep up either <laughs> yeah. like there are so there were so many photos on this trip where i just i couldn't save the sky yeah. in my big camera like i couldn't take the same photo yeah, you gotta on, either you gotta sacrifice one or the other pretty much yeah or shadows. exactly yeah. on the 5d or the a7 like people People in the comments last time, they were like hammering me because I, I was comparing it against the Canon and they're right. like, oh, Sony has better dynamic range. That's not the difference. No, like the not. dynamic range is like half. It's doesn't. It's not a tiny. Yeah, it's not a big difference. It's not even a comparison. Like yeah. phones are just getting that good. So now what do you find you are using the iPhone to capture? I mean, like, or even in the past, like what does a phone end up being for you in a professional workflow? I think it never really was in a professional workflow up until this point, to be honest with you. Like even I was on this tourism job and some of the photos I was taking just to post on my Instagram stories, like I took like a second look and I was like, wow, this looks like so good. <laughs> and I think as it grows more and more, the technology, I just, Apple should make a camera, honestly, like they really should. A with full, this, full on. Yes. Big, yeah. With, I mean, with the software that they if have. If you say that to Apple, they'll just tell you like we are making a camera. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. but I think like just a dedicated, you know, camera that, mm-hmm. with their software built in. I think it'd be very cool. But I think, to answer your question, I think, especially for video, I think I've seen so many videos now just recorded with the new iPhone and it looks great. Like it's, it's like, it's, I can watch it without, you know, cringing at the quality or whatever, like, like we used to, you know, and I think that is really cool and really exciting to see kind of what happens next. But I don't, to answer your question, I honestly don't use it a lot for professional stuff. I mainly stick to my cameras, but yeah, this is a, something I've kind of been working on. I want to talk to more people about that of like what, in part of it was because of the branding of Pro on the right. new 11s, which right. is you know, a lot of talk about when they came out. You know, is this for pros? And I think non-professionals have a really confused perspective of like what the idea yeah. of like a professional phone means because pros don't. I mean, the only prof- there's a million types of professionals. It yeah. doesn't mean one Pro, thing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, there's like prosumers. There's you know all that stuff. Yeah, and and it's very different if you are a studio you know, a product photographer or if you're a lifestyle outdoors photographer or if you are a journalist or if you are... Oh, exactly. You know, there's so many types of photographers. Or like if you're shooting school portraits, I mean, that is a professional photographer too. Like there's all these jobs where you are taking photos for a living that have really different requirements. The ones that the iPhone... 11 Pro is mo- has the biggest impact on is journalism. I was just going to say, yeah, because I think it's making it, you know, you can you can take a photo in a matter of seconds. Like it's, mm-hmm. you just pull it out and it's going to look great right out of, you know, the second you take it, you don't have to do anything to it. Yeah, and, and that, the fact that everything's in focus is a good thing. Like oh, yeah, you don't want the depth of field. Yeah. The HDR is really important. You can see everything, you know, that's, I think, yeah, it's very much affecting journalism. I think for what we do, it's not quite, there yeah, because part of what we're charging for is that you know we have a bigger camera. That's, yeah, we got that quality. Yeah, that's going to be able to print larger and uh, you know hold up to more use, like more types of use, and still look good. Which exactly. the iPhone stuff still doesn't. You know, you can't blow. Yeah. You can blow it up. Like the billboards look fine, but you see it degrade, and like there are Definitely. issues with it. You see the noise. You can't shoot in low light. In the same. I, you can, but it looks worse in low light. Definitely. Um, 
yeah, there's there's good reasons to still use a professional camera. And there will be for quite a long time. Yeah, I don't see myself switching ever to an iPhone anytime yeah. soon. No, like, no, that's, there's no way. Yeah, that's that's not gonna. I think happen, it's just not. I think for us, it's just not as robust as we need it. You know, like mm-hmm. the Canons and Sony's don't just work, and you know, their battery life is amazing, and it's just like you know, we can always count on it. It's very consistently okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like good enough, I think, for us. But little things that have held me back on the iPhone. Uh, using it in, in real context has been just challenges of, of having like professional controls in the way that I want. Right. There's lots of great apps that let you do stuff like this. And it's, I'm actually mostly thinking about video for photo. It's kind of easy. There's, you know, highlight or moment or whatever other pro apps. Yeah. There there's a lot too. of good, a lot of good ones. Yeah. yeah. There's great ones that let you control everything you can shoot in raw and like, yeah. okay, that's great. Uh, in video, I'm not really happy with it. Like there's, Filmic Pro seems to be the option that yeah. everybody reaches I for. I don't love the menu. I layout. really, really dislike the controls. Yeah, it needs uh, to be more simple, like Apple esque. I think for people to use it, totally. And I, I mean, I got stuck, so I was going to use it on the professional shoot I was just talking about. That's what I was planning on recording with. And I started right. to, and I realized that I didn't know how to set it to to for sure be using one of the three lenses because mm-hmm. it's like a smooth zoom between zooming oh, in and really? out. So yeah, it, it doesn't like, or I couldn't figure out how to make it lock on to like, look, I either want to be at, you know, 0.5, right, ultra wide 1x or 2x or whatever. Like I want it to only be on those numbers because I want the maximum amount of quality. I don't want to crop into anything. And there isn't that like confirmation of where I was. And if it is somewhere, I didn't want to yeah. spend, I did, couldn't find it. Seriously. You know? Well, I did see that they... Apple just really is it that new software update where you can finally tap and change your frame rate? In the yes, camera app? yes. So that's, that's very I mean, necessary. That's, like, that's a big step in the right direction, mm-hmm. I think, for video. Um, well, and an- another one though with the built-in camera app, which is usually what I use to shoot yeah. everything, yeah. is that you can't separate your focus lock and your exposure lock. So if the person that's, is in the foreground and you're trying to save the skies, this is usually what it is. Like, yeah, the skies are too bright, right. and you have to lock it for it to keep the skies. Right. You need to yeah, both yeah. yeah do both and that's wrong so right. the person could be out of focus yeah it makes sense other than that this has been this has been such a oh, it just reminded me I don't have it anymore <laughs> it's been it's been an amazing phone I've really no really me, me as well very excited about it and other things that have happened in the world since recording last time is uh, the AirPods Pro were announced yeah um, I don't have I think neither of us have them no I'm the definitely moment. gonna purchase them. you're gonna get some yeah yeah they look nice yeah when as soon as I'm back to Calgary I'll have a pair as well. Um, extremely excited about it like this is probably what i'm gonna start using for everything i'm yeah. right now i'm wearing uh what are these oh, yeah, the sony's gonna, right yeah these are the sony but i forget the model number all the time the mx 1000 their headphone models are so long mark three i can't even see it on here anywhere it's the mark three of the noise canceling over ear sony headphones <laughs> <laughs> and they're great i like i really like them I will continue to use them, but I probably won't travel with them anymore. Yeah, that's what's nice about the AirPods Pro is like it finally has that noise canceling. So especially for flights, I mean, you and I travel very frequently, yeah. so I think that'll be very helpful. But yeah, these QC35s have done me well, but I really don't. That's the like equivalent. That's the, yeah. You're using like the Bose version right. of what I have. Yeah, they're good, yeah. but like I definitely don't enjoy travel. Like I want to. The more I travel, the more I, or the less I gear I want to take with me. And that just sounds <laughs> like a, me. Yeah. way less of a headache just totally. to take the little AirPods. And the reason it's necessary is the noise canceling. Like a lot of the editing time when you're traveling oh, is on flights. Absolutely. And if there's any audio, like you can't reliably edit audio right. without noise canceling on a plane and or, or podcasts. Yeah. Like try doing noise removal, judging noise removal yeah, well, like if you're on a plane. AirPods. Yeah. yeah, like it, it, it doesn't work at all. 
but I, I actually have never had issues with the latency, which I thought I would when AirPods first yeah, came out. I thought there'd good. be too much delay to edit properly. And it's totally fine. I think for music, it wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could record music no. with, with AirPods, but for video, it's been yeah. no issues for me. I'm excited. It, it seems like the battery life's going to be a little bit better, hopefully, because the one thing I have noticed is I've had my pair of AirPods for probably eight or nine months or something like that, and the battery life has gotten horrible. Oh, yeah. That's like, I mean, it's, I mean, I've heard that from so. a lot of people. Mine didn't. Like, I'm, I'm glad to, to yeah, say that's, that that's mine kind of lasted, but it, I've, I've heard that. It's, they're basically, we're starting to have to acknowledge that they're sort of disposable, like they're oh, a yeah. consumable Definitely. device that yeah. will eventually die and you'll have to buy a new one in two to three years. They're yeah. not going to last. Yeah, exactly. They're not forever. really built to last. I mean, they're, yeah. they're convenient, but they're not. Really. Which that has all sorts of issues. Like, I don't want to let off Apple off the hook for oh, no. know, making an expensive device that we're going to have to keep rebuying. But I also don't, yeah, I don't know. Not a great situation, but I love my AirPods yeah. a lot. And yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, noise canceling is going to be great. I'm yeah, excited. or I'm a little bit better audio quality as well. Like I'll, I'll definitely take it. And I know it won't be as good as these Sony's, but it'll be enough better that it's what I'll use all the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just pulling up my notes here. You told me just before we started that you're going to be selling all of your Canon gear. Yeah, oh, a lot to of move it. to iPhone, right? Yeah, <laughs> iPhone only. Uh, no, so. So I'm probably going to keep my EOS R for YouTube stuff just because I love it and it works really well for me. And I love the the adapter with the variable ND in it. So I can, it's an EF or it's an RF to EF adapter and you can just put your EF lenses on there and then you just, no matter what lens it is, it becomes a ND filter. You have to have one on the front, which is super nice. And yeah, yeah. No, I, that's like the whole reason I want an R is for yeah. the, like that. Oh yeah, it's is half the reason. Yeah, yeah, so I love the R. I, I mainly have used the 1DX for the last, almost three years for stills yeah for yeah. stills and for video it okay. the 4k 60 is just beautiful but i'm so tired of motion jpeg codec it's mm-hmm. the worst I, I did see that the 1dx3 was announced so you shoot in like those giant 4k files yeah and then what do you do with so because i have the 5d4 which i use as my b camera like okay. I, there's some full videos looks recorded good. on, yeah. but i never record in motion jpeg because i because it's impossibly big yeah and like if i put the wrong uh, memory card in it it'll stop recording because it's too slow like well that's like i mean so the 1dx uses cfast 2.0 cards so uh, so it always 525 megabytes a second right right. and it's not like that on the 5d4 so it's not so that's why i run into things where it's just like exactly i've stopped recording and i'm not really going to tell you why well then like because 4k 60 takes a lot of data and it's like you need a fast card in there granted they're super expensive but i mean but what are you doing with it afterwards? Because it's so big. Like, are you yeah, transcoding big. it? No, it, it works fine in Final Cut. No, but it's so big. <laughs> yeah, I, you got to have a lot of hard drives. You just like hold on to it. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't hold on to all my. I hold on to like the clips that I actually use in the video and delete the rest. Right, it's, it works. But yeah, so I'm switching over for photos to the Fuji uh, medium format. Awesome, mirrorless. Yeah, so I'm renting the GFX 100 for a shoot this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to see if I like it. Granted, it's a lot of money, but I think to enter that medium format camera market, it's really reasonably priced. Well, you're the second professional I've talked to in the last couple of weeks that is going to be doing this. So Dude, on good. a previous episode, uh, Simbarash was on, who's okay. a street style photographer, Sweet. shoots amazing fashion work, and he's like looking at ditch. He's starting to ditch all his Sony gear to yeah. switch to the Fuji, not not the medium format, but the okay. Fuji's just making. I don't waves, remember what, what numbers are yeah, what so they for have, Fuji, but like the good one. Yeah, so they have like so there's three different ones. There's the GFX 50s, which is like that was a, a released a while ago, several yeah. years ago. That was kind of their first entry level medium format camera. I've only played with it a little bit. Yeah, and then really. the 50R just came out about a 
seven or eight months ago, I believe. And the GFX 100 is like just announced. Mm-hmm. The reason I want to go that route, uh, granted, it's $10,000 for the body. It's kind of expensive, but it has IBIS and uh, it also has dual card slots and bat- built-in battery grip, 100 megapixels, medium format sensor, like everything I could ever want. You want 100 megapixels? Well, I think that's like the I direct... Mean- that's some a, people, some people have a use for it. Yeah, I just like that's I the direction would, I want to be going. Yeah. I think with my work, I'm going to be actually trying. I'm having the goal is to have some meetings at the end of the year to get a commercial rep. Cool. And so I'm going to kind of tandem that with the YouTube channel and yeah. stuff like that. That's why I want to keep the R. That was you know for stuff that isn't like high end commercial work. I'll just use the R. It's great. Right. I love it. And uh, a lens. Okay, how many lenses will you keep then? That's the tough part. It's like I probably keep at least one or two lenses for video. I have like five lenses mm-hmm. or so. I love the eighty-five image stabilized Canon lens, the one point four, and then I use the sixteen to thirty-five f four. But I did see that the RF uh, fifteen to that looks 35. really nice. Yeah, it's image stabilization too. Like I'll probably get that. That looks great. But yeah, to answer your question, I think I'm I'm going to be selling the one DX here pretty soon. Just getting rid of that. It's wild. Yeah, I've been tempted with the Black Magic too. That thing looks nice. The Pocket Cam? Yeah, the 6K uh, for yeah, video at least. For sure, yeah. Although, I don't know. I, I don't feel for YouTube, it's not the same thing because you're giving up the autofocus. Like, it's, it's a pretty big deal. You're doing a very different workflow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? I, um, I mean, to be fair, actually, when we were in Ireland, my so the guy I brought to shoot video, uh, he shoots normally, on, he normally shoots on my 1DX, but he has a Sony. Right. I've never used one before. And I kind of tested out his A7 III. Yeah, which is, that's what I shoot on yeah. a lot of the time. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Like I, I always, I think I gave Sony a bad rap because of when they first came out, their colors were just not as good as Canon's. And I think photographers are pretty like, uh, they, they hate learning new things or switching systems. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't really want to switch over, but. Well, I'm still, I'm, I've been on the fence for a while of walking away from the Sony entirely to go all Canon. Okay. Because I got the C200 recently yeah. for my, for my oh, video stuff. great, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I absolutely love it. Yeah, you loving that? Oh yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, it, the only thing that's frustrating is so the C five hundred Mark II was announced recently. I saw that. That's, Sorry, that's like a red competitor. Just, <clears throat> yeah, it really is. Like, I know it looks. If you're a red owner, it looks down market from from a red yeah, because definitely it's just I don't know I don't know why, but I think a lot of red or Alexa shooters would consider it oh absolutely. not to be in the same realm, but it is. I mean, the fact that it shoots. Raw with yeah. all that dynamic range, like tons. Built in NDs. Competitive with, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm curious actually. I'd like to see it the dynamic range stacked up next to a red. Like be, maybe it's yeah. less. Be fun to rent it and at least see if it looks sure. good. You know, but full full frame. It's nice and full autofocus. Yeah, that's great. And all the ease of use of a Canon. I mean, it would be so much easier to work with for any run and gun stuff. Yeah, like if you're exactly. doing a documentary, I would. Infinitely rather shoot oh, that yeah. than a, any red or yeah. not, maybe not. Uh, Reds are just I might cu- still take they're, they're cumbersome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no, actually, I, honestly, if it was running gun stuff like a you know small crew, mm-hmm. I would take it over any red or Alexa yeah. because of ease of use. You would get better footage. Yeah. Just especially those. Oh ones. man, my voice is gone. <laughs> <clears throat> you take over the rest of the podcast. <laughs> well, even those. I mean, especially those Alexa LFs are just so massive. So one of my buddies, his name's Kevin Garrison. He's a he's a DP here in LA. And he's on set of uh, this movie that they're filming. It's the first feature film to be shot on all seven continents around the world. So they're even going to Antarctica. And Ari gave them the first LF Mini. Nice. To like work with. And yeah. I was texting the other day. He said it's like literally the best camera he's ever even touched. Like, yeah. It seems cool. like it will be. I, and as soon, it's funny because there's this world of like cinematographers would talk about like, here's why we shoot on Super 35 format. Like it's, right. it's for a reason. Right. It's easier to work with the, uh, 
depth of, you don't want depth of field to be too shallow because it's harder to work with. There, like sort of excuses for it. But as soon as the LF comes out, it's like, oh, we can shoot full frame. Okay, (laughs) screw all that super 35 stuff. We need a big sensor. And and everybody sold their old Alexas and and are switching over. So, anyway, same situation with the 500. I'm not. I'm not going to sell my C200 and, and switch because I can't buy cameras that fast. Right, and it's still a real price jump. You know, it's like five thousand dollars more. It's a lot. Um, but I would have. I would have done it. I w- like yeah. if it was out when I was. How much is the how much is the C200 body? Like well, I was buying it in Canadian prices, okay. and I spent just over ten grand. Okay, this like would be like seven, six or seven US probably. Yeah, like yeah, and it dropped actually since okay. I bought mine. It went down a bit. So, but. I was buying an old camera, like yeah. that's that's the thing. But any, but also it's been amazing. Like I Those am just so reliable. happy yeah. with it. Yeah, it real, awesome. and like the quality looks really incredible. The what color are, is so easy. What to work frame is you get on there? It goes up to one twenty, but then you're shooting in like the compressed formats. Okay, that's the other big difference. With this is actually, I don't think there's a lot of people listening that care about these things. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> so I'll try to speed through it. Uh, so the but the the you can only shoot in eight bit okay. for the faster than sixty frame rates. Oh, okay. The fastest you can shoot in RAW is 60, uh, 64K. RAW, though, that's good. Yeah, so yeah. which I do. I mean, I'm kind of happy with like 120. I've been shooting less and less 120 because yeah, it's, it's so slow. It's too slow. 60 is great. Yeah, 60 is usually fine. But what's better on the 500 Mark II is that it can also shoot ProRes 444. Yeah. Like it has good 10 bit codecs. That's nice. Yeah. So you could just shoot in that all the time, too. You don't, need, super nice, you don't yeah. need the raw because like the internal codecs are <laughs> yeah. so good, whereas the internal codecs awesome. on the C2 well, another limited. To wrap this gear thing up, uh, the Fuji shoots 16 bit raw photos, which is oh, yeah, super right. that's, nice. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I, what originally like convinced me to buy it was my buddy has the 50S and he gave me one of the raw files to play with. Talk mm-hmm. about a dynamic range. That is the best dynamic range I've ever seen on hmm. like an actual camera. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, the Sony sensors are amazing. Yeah, it's not iPhone good, but it's it's, a, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's amazing. It's working, they're working on it. Yeah, they just need some <laughs> HDR yeah. baked into it. Well, and what Simrush was telling me about the Switch as well, and and I totally agree with, is that the uh, Sony color has gotten better, but it's not easy. It's still not easy to work with. Yeah. It's not like the Canons and the Fujis. Are more like Canon. Like it just yeah. looks great yeah. right out of camera. You don't have to mess around with it. It's nice, uh, and that can just that can save a lot of time. Just not trying yeah. to figure it out. You know, absolutely. And I think like it's the perfect because it's the, it's about the same size as the One DX. So it's mm-hmm. not really going to weigh me down any more than the One DX already has. But it's not going to be, and I'm not going to be using it really for video. I saw right. DP Review did like a, a video about the actual video specs of the. It shoots 4K 30 uh, in 10 bit, which is cool, but it's not. I wouldn't be using a media format for video. No. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But all in all, I'm, I'm super excited. There was a funny thing that Marquez told me once about that shooting raw for him actually speeds everything up because really? you stop having to make those decisions as you're going. Very, that's very true. Which I've really started to come to appreciate now that I'm shooting raw more often. Yeah, just fix it after. Yeah, sometimes the difference, like you can set your, you can set it to daylight and that feels right. But then a little cloud cover comes in, and now all of a sudden, the scene's you know four hundred degrees uh, cooler yeah. in your Kelvin, and you didn't notice that it happened while you were there, so you didn't make any changes. But now you've got to fix it in post, and maybe you're stretching an eight bit file too yeah. far. And if it's all in Which raw, is like so like, easy to do. <laughs> yeah, you can just perfectly fix it. That's nice. In a, a moment, you know, in one second, you're like, oh, that was wrong, and you just totally grab a slider. Especially like, I mean, 
if you're doing any sort of run and gun work, that's raw is probably so just nice because you don't have to, that's one less thing you got to worry about. You just focus on composition and everything, yeah, everything exactly. else that matters, you know? Then the challenge is just keeping up with the workflow afterwards, right. making sure you can support a raw right. workflow. And, and work Are those files enough, pretty so. easy to work with in Final Cut? No. No. Uh, so Final Cut is, that's a big weakness is their raw support is not good. Like okay. There's no, there's no plugins or anything. There's really? no sliders for like that's an exposure slider or it's temperature slider. Yeah, exactly. Premiere has all the proper plugins, but what my workflow actually is, because I don't, I'm not using Premiere right now, right. is I bring all the footage into Resolve. Like okay. I just dump the whole card. Actually, while it's on the card, I drag oh, really? all the files into Resolve, so they're just linked from the uh, CFast card, mm-hmm. and I apply my transform LUT so that it takes it from a log. You know, super flat logarithmic right. thing transforms it to Rec seven hundred nine. Has like the nice colors. It's this great LUT from uh, Mondo Bytes Sweet. and uh, Crimson Engine. They did it together for one of their videos. It's based on the Alexa LUT, mm-hmm. and it makes it look a lot like an Alexa. That's nice, yeah. <laughs> like very, very similar. It's it's okay, really cool. amazing. And so I just yeah do that. Do all of the raw corrections. Fix the white balance. Fix the exposure That's to nice. everything while it's on the memory card, and then export it as ProRes, and then I work with those ProRes files that are right on. already half-graded. You know, yeah, They have nice. most of the color done to them. Is, are you using the C200 a lot for YouTube or not really? Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. For like more of the sit-down shots? Yeah, all my A-roll, nice. and whenever I can. I try to use it for everything I possibly can. What I'm missing is I still don't have like easy ways to move the camera nicely. I don't own any slider right Me now. Either. I've had them and gotten rid of them, and I'm then I had issues with the one I was going to buy. I was going to buy the Rhino. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I was curious if you have used one I, of those I had ha, I had had really good experiences, and then the last one I rented, it totally it caused a lot of problems. Really? It really slowed me down, so all of a sudden I got gun-shy about hmm. buying one. Yeah. So. Sliders are either like, you find like, those, they're not really reasonably priced either. There's like The, yeah. one, the nice ones are expensive. Yeah, right? exactly. You're investing a lot, and then they can be finicky, so... And same with gimbals. I don't. I'm not going to buy a giant gimbal. No, I mean that's a waste of time. Yeah, you're going to be just be carting it around. I know, like, flying it's, around. It's yeah, good. it's never going to happen. Like that's not an option. So can you throw it on the Ronin S? Yes. So I've actually. I mean, I've made it work. Uh, there's it's a, probably maxing it out. Though. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Make art now. Josh has done a video like all about balancing okay. the C200 on the Ronin S. <laughs> and yeah, it's like it's right at the edge, but it, it stops. Being effective, like right. sure, it's the the motors aren't screaming at you the whole time. It is balanced, right. but you can't move fluidly in the same way. It's yeah, you're not operating. Well, same with the one DX. It just doesn't right. really fit normally. You got to kind of yeah. just configure it a little bit. So yeah, you're not you're not doing things right. And I, I might be kind of moving away from the S to the because I got the SC right, and that's what I brought to on this trip. Oh, so what I've been using more with, and, with that. Yeah, with the A7 III. That's great, um, and that combos. Gorgeous, like it definitely. You nice can you, you notice, yeah, exactly. You notice that it has less of a payload, less battery life, but so worth it. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I feel like I've been talking about video for too long, <laughs> and uh, I know less of you do video, so let's uh, move on to some questions. And a reminder: if you guys want to ask questions, ask Stallman is the hashtag you can use on Twitter, and I will see them all appear in a document. So the first question comes from Peric. Which is what's your over? Okay, well, we already went over some of this. What's your overall iPhone 11 Pro camera experience been like? What would you like to see next from Apple? So mostly, yeah. What would you like to see next from Apple? I think RAW is built in. Uh, yeah, definitely. I don't. I think. I mean, all the apps are pretty good. You know, you can shoot with it. But I think RAW video. <laughs> no, yeah, just photos. I think. Yeah. 
I think if you're going to call it pro, you got to give it a little bit more of a bump as far as that stuff goes, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think nearly there'd be like half a percent of people that would use it. I think I understand that they haven't yet because of how many just you know normal people are using this camera. They don't care about that. But I think you know, if on my dream list, I would love to see raw eventually internally. That'd be really nice. Mm-hmm. And well, I think they see that number is so low that they're willing to just pass exactly. pass the buck to third party apps. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, download how I yeah, need exactly. Do you do you shoot in raw very often? With Not them? very often. No, I think it does a pretty good job, honestly, in camera. Yeah, I almost I almost never shoot raw. I'm usually experimenting when I do. I'm just like, yeah. what does this look like? Yeah, um, and so, it looks good. It yeah. is. It is. It is a noticeable yeah. improvement. But the thing is, the re- I get this question all the time. The reason I don't shoot raw very often is that the big improvements are at like 100%. Like you have to zoom in yeah, for them. Exactly. You don't see them in Instagram size. Well, if you post a photo on Twitter or something, it's like yeah. you, nobody's going to know. And that's what I'm. That's why I'm shooting on iPhone. So if I need that 100% quality, I'm using a different camera right. anyway. Exactly. So then, shoot some CR2s, you're good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So Totally. Um, what I would, I mean, I think this is exactly what Apple's thinking as well, is I want to see that wide angle camera get better. Yeah. Which... I mean, it is great. The distortion actually, is pretty bad, though. Well, I would no. Okay, I feel like it's, I feel like it's way better than I expected. Like, I, I heard a lot of other people complain about it, but it was surprisingly well controlled to me, especially because it's so wide. It's thirteen very, millimeter, very right? Wide, like, yeah. I don't have a thirteen millimeter lens. No. I have a twelve meter millimeter fisheye. Yeah, that is, you know, it's only distortion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a big, it's a right. big blurry circle. Yeah. But you know it's better, which that's still like that was a seven hundred dollar lens, and the iPhone is better controlled distortion yeah. than that, and better chromatic aberration. So it's not perfect for sure. Like you can see problems with it, and it needs to improve. The main things I think about is the the speed, like that it's a much slower lens. It is, yeah. I, not even that it needs night mode. That might be too much to ask for that's, a while. Yeah, I feel like, but also I really think the wide looks so good for video. Yeah, like it looks really nice. Right. It's not as distorted because I don't, I'm not sure exactly why, but it just it looks a little bit better. Yeah, well, some and for anybody listening that's still a little bit confused, because I, I heard some other podcasters talking about this that aren't photographers, a frustration with trying to remember the names of the lenses on the iPhone. Right, like they call it Apple refers to it as telephoto wide and ultra wide. Ultra wide, yeah. Wide and ultra wide; those are the correct names. Like that's what we as photographers yeah, would call definitely twenty six millimeter and a thirteen. Like Apple is not inventing anything; they're just no, no. Which I think is absolutely the right thing to do. Uh, I don't want to see one company think that they can redefine the language yeah, that is no. well established already. Yeah, the only thing anywhere. that's a little bit off is telephoto. You wouldn't call that zoom lens a telephoto. Fifty is not really a tele, but. What we would call it is a, a normal lens, yeah. and they couldn't call it. That yeah. wouldn't make any <laughs> sense. Weird. This is yeah, the wide and the normal. Like that's it, not that also wouldn't work. Yeah, that, I get why they're doing it. Yeah, so it's the zoom lens. Right. You know, if it zoomed in more, then they would still call it a telephoto. I don't know. Right. Yeah, that one's the. But they, I think they did their best. They like tried to line it up with real photography as much as they could. Yeah, definitely. So, anyway, that's that's the main place I want to see like big improvements. Yeah, I, I like to see the telephoto lens get. A little bit better. Absolutely. Basically, I want them to all reach parity so that as you zoom in and out, it is actually perfectly fluid. Yep. And they are all just as good. That's like the next step. And because you, you got to think, like every year when we get a new iPhone, we're excited about how much better it is. Totally. It always feels better. It does. But they have to be holding on to something yeah, that they're definitely. like, okay, we know we can make this a little bit better next year. So yeah, they so can have the incremental upgrades. Yeah. Next question is from Edward. Uh, Photography can easily become all about gear, but really, it's training your eye to look for nice compositions, or so they say. How can I train my photographer's eye? 
how have you practiced anybody you've been inspired by in particular? I mean, I'll direct this question to you. Yeah, well, I think training your eye just comes with repetition. I think creativity in general is just like a muscle and you have to work at it very consistently. You know, mm-hmm. I think probably you and I shoot very regularly and, you know, because of that, we are able to hone in on the style that we like. But I don't think it comes like right out the bat. You know, it takes a very long time. I've been, I don't know how long, I mean, I've been photographing professionally for four years, but I've picked up a camera like almost nine years ago. So, I mean, I've done, I've been through many styles. I've tried different things and I, you know, I'm going to continue probably to change what I shoot and like what, you know, how it looks. But I think over time, it's just really important to just keep shooting and shooting regularly. That's probably the biggest thing I would say. The one thing I'd add to that is that there are people that have been shooting even longer than us that are still not very, they're not very good. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to say that. (laughs) I mean, I don't tell them that, but like, it also does, it doesn't guarantee anything either. So the part I would add is that you need to find the right balance of being self-critical. Yep. You can't hate your work so much that you stop which is also really common. You oh, just get absolutely. frustrated and you stop wanting to work on it. Totally. But you can't think that it's so good th- that you stop improving, right? I yeah. mean, I, because I think if you go through photography forums, like go to DP Review, look through the forums of what people post as sample photos, a lot of it is like really focused on the technical and like look what the camera's doing, look right. what this lens is doing. Um, instead of, com- and just don't compare to photography magazines. Because it's very insular and sort of masturbatory, and like they're yep. they're in their world of like celebrating photography as yep. a genre, yep. and that's not what it is. You have to look at like real media, look at fashion magazines, look at ads, look at lifestyle magazines, yep. look at travel magazines, like whatever it is you're into. Look at well, I'm saying magazines a million times, websites, too. I mean, yeah, everything. You know, but look at the best of it. Like go pick up the best books in these categories. Compare what you're doing to the best of that genre yep. and strive for that. Don't look at other uh, people that identify primarily as photographers. Look at like what are the best editors in the world choosing? Yeah. You know, what is what does the whole world agree on as being the best? And measure yourself against that and try to move towards that. And um, another helpful way to think about it is knowing the right things to copy and rip off. And the wrong things. Yeah, you got to take, you definitely have to take like, you know, bits and pieces and be inspired by certain things that you see. But I think completely ripping off people, it's like, it's, it doesn't look good. Like, well, it's really easy to tell. And so often what you see, that's the thing, people get confused, but they'll like, they'll, you know, dress the person in the same outfit and put them in the yeah. same pose. That's not what you need to be no. emulating. No. It's much more about like, you pick one or two things from, or choose one thing from this photo, yep. one thing from that photo, one thing from that photo, bring them together and make them different. And you'll end up with something totally different. Nobody oh, yeah. will recognize the inspiration, but it will still like you'll have learned something. You'll have picked up some of the qualities of those other things. So you know maybe from photo A, you're taking the composition where the subject is small in the bottom right corner right. and there's a lot of sky in the top. And then from you know photo B, you're taking the color palette so that you're making it uh, really low contrast. And then photo C, you're taking the styling and you put them in a red dress, whatever. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Just totally different parts. Just don't take a bunch of elements from the same photo. Yep, I completely agree. And I think I mood board also very often. Like I I just, yeah. I'm constantly finding things that inspire me. And I wouldn't just, I think social media, trying to use social media to get inspired is a joke. Like it's not going to inspire you. It's probably going to do the exact opposite, to be honest <laughs> yeah, with you. Yeah. And I think a word or a phrase that I heard a while ago that I try to like put into practice a lot is just consume less than you create. And like, that's so important because I think 
it's really easy for us to just get locked into our phones all the time and just mm-hmm. scrolling. But like that does literally nothing but like the opposite of inspiring me. <laughs> so, uh, the, the less that I am looking at my phone, the more I'm just out there trying to take photos, you know, and yeah, videos. No, that's fantastic advice too. Don't just look at other media, like experience the world. Exactly. Like look for yeah. real for life me, like tra- traveling is super inspiring to me. Like even California, you know, it's, it's great. I'm sure you at some point get inspired back home for you as well and for sure, yeah. you know just find a little things you know it's like it's easy to it really is easy to obsess about like the gear and that it's going to make your stuff that much better but in reality if you're not going to be creative enough your stuff's going to suck no matter what so you might yeah. as well work on that the there's beginning. plenty of people with great gear that take terrible photos oh yeah absolutely yeah. next question this for you sam comes from michael what convinced you to switch to the eos r as the main camera i think for me it's just so much more portable than the 1dx i think I do use the battery grip on it just because I enjoy having the vertical shutter. I think it's really helpful. But I think it's just such a, I love it. It's such a great camera, especially for photos. It's just great. I love the CR3 files. They seem to play a lot better in Lightroom than CR2 files. Oh, I didn't know there was a new number. I haven't, yeah. I haven't used them. Well, it just, it seems, even when you drag the exposure slide, it just reacts differently. The yeah. CR2 files seem very outdated. Well, I noticed it, the difference between like 5D 3 and 4. When I bought the 4, I didn't really notice it, but now when I go back and edit photos from the 5D Mark III, I notice they don't slide yeah. as nicely. So I think every generation they're oh, like and that's, pushing I, I really enjoy the CR3 files. I think it looks just great and uh, it's nice and portable. It's really mm-hmm. small, small form factor. I can always take the battery grip off and it becomes even smaller. And I really love the RF lenses. I, well, I'm really... so. I will buy whatever the next Canon mirrorless is, almost certainly. Yeah. Like uh, right now, the R is getting a little old for me to want to invest in it. Definitely. It probably will be replaced. There's some things that I dislike about it, um, like so a, a problem I've always complained about with the Sony's. There's a, there, there's there's a lot of lag in the interface. Like even if I'm yeah. just changing aperture, for that sure. I'll have to wait a second. And somebody showed me that that. It also happens on the R. Yeah, it's it's not too bad. I definitely do notice it. There should be none. Yeah. Like when we, I was, we've lived with none yeah. for years. I don't want to go back. <laughs> and I think the I I do love the USR, but I would never use it on a professional set environment. Yeah. Just because of one SD one card slot. I right. do think that's honestly a deal breaker. Yeah. Like not being able to write to two cards. Well, so that's the thing. Once there's a, a pro or version, yeah. I mean, which if you call the five D pro, yeah, you know, totally. Uh, then I will I will jump over for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm switching the second that happens too for sure. Uh, thoughts on Canon making for the RA instead of what people are asking for? I think the personal Emmett. Okay, well this is basically about like this thoughts is their on new them. Mirrorless yeah, right? they yeah. did the astral photography one as the next. Good Lord, they do, but they do this because it's easy. Yeah. Everything else is already there. Yeah. It's, it's relatively the same. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I don't fault them at all. Like people there are enough people apparently that want astral cameras supposedly it's not a huge amount of work for them to do it i no. guess so they released it it's fine yeah. i don't think it's related to no, their not being people i think people are mad probably because they thought the next release is probably going to be the eos yeah pre- no, no. but it's just people's expectations exactly. versus what makes sense for canon yeah, exactly. I, I don't fault them at all for that uh also i'm not reading people's names uh that was from seek and destroy intro riff <laughs> uh Okay, this next one is from Samak. Sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Uh, for Sam Elkins. Favorite camera for editing apps on the iOS platform? Ooh, d- for editing, uh, Visco, hands down. Yeah, yeah I'm on Visco. It's the best, yeah. It's so weird to me that Visco has become like a mainstream joke now because of Visco Girls. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so confused about that. Like when I talk, I got a bunch of comments on my last tutorial about it where people are like, ha Visco Girls. I'm like, this is like a 10-year-old app that professionals have been using forever. You're, yeah, it's very good. It just it Visco just works and it always looks good. Yeah, to me it's cuz they wrote the best image 
rendering, oh, like yeah. the best color engine by far. They yeah. just spent so much time on it. I used to know quite a few guys that worked at the office in Berkeley, and yeah. they've, they've since I think gone pretty much all mobile. Right, um, but it's dude, it's yeah, really good. Yeah, I happened to when Stocksy was starting up at exactly the same time as Visco oh, was no coming way. out. So we were like working with them on some stuff. So I got like, have a phone call with their lead engineer right at the wow, beginning and like awesome. talk about all this color stuff. And it's cool. And then they just like b- grew faster than we did. Yeah. So when I think even like, I think it's cool in the iOS app, like the actual film stocks look crazy accurate to like yeah. what, how you would shoot. No, they do yeah. such a good job with yeah, that stuff. Amazing. So whether or not it's a mainstream app. Yeah. yeah. It, it works better yeah. than others to well, they've, they've done such a good job of like, you know, where professionals like us really enjoy, but then also, you know, like a girl in high school can take a selfie and use it. And yeah. It, also looks it just good. looks better yeah. right away. Uh, and I mean, somebody that's been using it to great effect is uh, Mike Hurley, who is on the show, a non-photographer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like a iPhone enthusiast, but not in photography until now. And he's been doing all this amazing work with Visco. That's awesome. Yeah. If you go back to, I should know episode numbers, but when I was on Connected on their podcast, we went into... If you want like an easy walkthrough of how to edit your photos in podcast form, that episode of Connected, we went into a lot of detail on it. And since then, Mike's been using it on all his photos. Uh-huh. And it looks That's great. great. It's really made a difference. Yeah, it's really nice and simple. Uh, from Rashab, when's your iPhone 11 camera video coming out? I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so real answer to that. I mean, it will be at least, it could be another month. Because because of just my existing schedule, like as soon as I get back home, I have a ton of stuff I have to do right away. Right, right. And it's always how it is. Too. And I want the video to. It's a video that can't be mediocre. You know, like it's I gotta be good. Yeah, yeah. So especially if you're waiting a while after the fact, people are expecting yeah, quality. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so what might end up being happening is that, like it may end up being so late that it'll be sort of a like a looking back over a few months. It's not know? a bad thing though. Hopefully, um, Caleb, also former guest of the show. Uh, is there a reason to shoot film photography in 2019 other than just for fun? Uh, does it really give you a look or colors that you can't replicate digitally? This is my wife's argument, says Caleb. So I don't know. I For those listening, I guess I, I shoot a lot of film for fun. I don't think I've ever shot film for work. Uh, I think that was like very much like a 10 to 15 years ago kind of thing. I do have a couple friends in LA that shoot it pretty consistently for work, but that they're shooting like super high volume, like contact 645, like which is pretty much the most heralded medium format camera. Um, for me, I don't, I don't think I'll ever use it for work, but I think for fun, it's, it's, it's a good time. I, I always bring my, I have a Mamiya 7 II that I bring everywhere with me and that's mm-hmm. super fun, but no, no, definitely not. Yeah. I, I definitely think there's still a real difference. And if you can make the workflow work, yeah, which it is can tough. produce a very specific look. Oh yeah, so. for sure. And I think it, I, I do. And I love the look of it. I just cannot imagine like not being able to, especially on a job, like not yeah, yeah, seeing totally. the photos instantly, you know, or like deliver them instantly. Exactly, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of workflow. So it's never going to make sense for me, but so I was mentioning Simbrush who was on the show. He didn't, we didn't talk about it that much on the episode. I should come back and talk about film. He's still shooting mostly film for all of street style. Wow, stuff. That's great. So he uses digital for video primarily, but mm-hmm. for, you know, there's, there's people out there, like we say that, that are still making work. Totally. And to specifically answer the question of like, is there a reason like, it gives a different look. Oh, absolutely. It really looks oh, different. Oh, it looks incredible, yeah. Uh, you can create comparison shots where now, you know, after the fact, you look at both of them and you're like, oh, I can't tell which is which. Right. But that's also using a film photo as reference and then you exactly. try to match it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can kind you can get it pretty close when you... If you don't have a reference though, then... Yeah, without the reference, it's much harder to yeah. get something that is really convincingly film. And what what I always say is that there are times that I'll see digital and I could be fooled that 
that it is film. Yeah, definitely. I can be fooled that way. But when I see real film and I know it's film, I'm never wrong. Yeah. Like if I'm, th- those times that I'm like, I know that's film, it always is. Exactly. There is, a, there is a certain look it can create that is unmistakable. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, I completely agree with you. And I also think too that for certain kinds of things like street photography, film is great for that as well. Like it's, it's such a fun experience. And unfortunately what's going to end up happening is that we're going to lose all the labs that, that that'll be oh, the yeah, end of yeah, the film. It's like, it won't be lack of interest. It's that there needs to be a bigger infrastructure. Totally. And doing well, it's, home labs, labs isn't a great that's solution. That's the tough thing too. Yeah. It's like, there's so many like iconic film labs here in LA, even though. Like, well, yeah, you guys are spoiled for yeah. it. I mean, this yeah. is where people mail their films yeah, to literally. like Richard's photo and stuff. One, they also like, there's one called Pro 8 millimeter that still does like eight and 16 oh, millimeter yeah. video, yeah. Develop, which is nuts. But I just, I looked at the prices in like a 4K scan of, it's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars. That's what stopped me from shooting, which I stopped shooting films maybe three years ago now. Okay. And it was the lab that I was using closed and I didn't shoot, I didn't mail yeah. off my last <laughs> rolls. I just was like, I don't know where else to send it. Cause in the States, there's a lot of great labs. Yeah, in Canada, there's less. And the thing is, it needs to not only develop well, but they need to understand scanning. Right. They need to scan for the final image, which yep. a lot of places don't understand. They still work the way that it was in yep. the 90s, which is like, oh, mostly you're trying to get a good negative, and then we'll also throw in some scans that are like mediocre quality. They're not corrected that well. But all that matters to me is the scans. I'm not going to use the negatives again. Yes, yeah, I, I have boxes and boxes and negatives in there. And I mean, that's the only thing that's going to get better is the scanning technology. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, the scans look good right away. I don't, I'm not really going to probably rescan them. Where, where do you go? Just if you could recommend one. Uh, I have one that I go to, and it's in Koreatown, actually. It's gold one-hour photo. It literally is the same day. Yeah, it's nice. great. But uh, if I want really nice, nice high quality, like mm-hmm. if I'm going on a trip or something, I'll usually go to State, actually, in Kentucky. Oh, also don't know that one. Yeah, okay, it's, cool. they're really good. State's nice. great. Yeah. yeah. And they they process like E6 too. So if you shoot like Ectochrome or something like that, they still do all that, which is cool. Awesome. And they're great. Yeah, they're, they're super nice guys. Cool. Well, uh, if anybody else has questions, hashtag Estelman on Twitter. Thanks so much for coming on, Sam. Yeah, no worries, man. Where do people find you? They find me on my YouTube channel, at uh, Samuel Elkins Photo, or my website, SamuelElkins.co, Instagram, Samuel Elkins, pretty much across the board. What about Twitter? Same <laughs> yeah, thing. Twitter yeah, Twitter too. Yeah. All over the place. Thanks <laughs> for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you, man. Mm-hmm.